It's a beautiful morning. A bit colder than I expected. This morning when I was sitting uh, at the window in the sun, it really felt like springtime. But uh, now that I'm out here, it's, it's a bit chilly still. It's about 5 degrees Celsius. That's 41 Fahrenheit. But it's a, it's a nice, sunny, crisp morning. And I am surrounded by the sounds of birds and the occasional pigeon that makes that really calming, soothing sound. I love that. It's a, a sound that reminds me of my childhood when I was staying with my grandparents in the south of the country. They had a beautiful house with a big garden. And in the morning, you would wake up to the sound of those pigeons. Uh, and, and I always cherish that because when we were on vacation and staying with our grandparents like that, uh, we didn't have to go to school. Like every morning felt like Sunday morning. And uh, I have very fond memories of, of, those, uh, of those times. And it's funny how sometimes bird sounds like that can immediately transport you back in time. It is... Uh, it's nice to be walking, and uh, it's definitely nice to be recording this in the morning for a change, because for the past few weeks, my schedule has been anything but, uh, but, but, but regular. It's always been um, like, where can I squeeze in some time to record this, and how can I find the energy to do that? But I'm slowly, slowly getting back into my usual routines and rhythm. And the energy is also starting to come back. And uh, just being outside here and breathing that fresh air and being surrounded by nature that is awakening and every week brings us closer to springtime. Um, it helps. It really helps. Let me cross the road here without getting run over by this Porsche. Some uh, people in this neighborhood have really fancy cars. <laughs> I still don't regret a single minute that I've gotten rid of my car. It's, uh, it's funny how quickly uh, I... I got accustomed to just taking my bike or going for a walk or just not going anywhere. <laughs> Sometimes I would just uh, schedule uh, trips because I had the car, like going to Ikea in R&M or something like that. And now I don't because if I would take my bike, it would, uh, it would cost me a couple of hours, which I don't always have. And also... Uh, forcing myself to uh, schedule more time to get from one place to another is, uh, is also beneficial. Like this past Sunday, um, I was scheduled to celebrate Mass in Oosterbeek, which is very close to Arnhem. It's in, on the outskirts of the city of Arnhem. And that is the most dreaded trip of the week. Or of, the, well, not the week, because I don't go there every week, but... Um, when I know that I have to go there, I, I also know, I realize it, it will take me more than an hour to, uh, to get there by bike. And it's uphill three times. There are steep hills that, that go on for, for like 10, 15 minutes where it's, it's really, I have to push myself to get over those hills on my bike. I, I'm not very accustomed to uh, hills I can, I can run over hills pretty pretty well now because I've been training for for two years now in these uh, in this region of the country but biking it uses other muscles and so when I'm on my bike and I have to climb the same hills that while running I wouldn't really struggle with on my bike it's uh, it's tough but I also like the fact that I have that you know hour before mass on Sunday morning where my only concern is to get there <laughs> and to be on this bike out in the open. Uh, so I'm, I'm biking through the neighborhoods here 
uh, where it's everybody's still asleep, um, but nature is already awake, and then the rest of the itinerary is through the woods for most of the time, and only the last portion of the trip is uh, through a more like urban area where it's uh, where it's still very pretty. It's not like um, high rises and stuff. So very pleasant way of of getting there and. It also helps me to not overcharge the Sunday because uh, when I used to have a car, um, I was often tempted because it only takes like 15 minutes to go to a town like Osterbeek um, to do lots of other stuff on, on Sunday morning. And then uh, <laughs> I, w- I would be very tired on Monday because I stuffed my Sunday, which is like the the first day of the week where you're supposed to um, get energy for the rest of the week. I would already start using up up all that energy. Um, And just having those two hours of just being on a bike to go to church and to come back from church um, forces me to to free up my my schedule and uh, save... In a certain way, save energy, which is weird because I do put a lot of energy into the bike ride itself. But it's it's easy energy in a certain way. It's just physical energy. It doesn't require decisions or reflection or or a concentration. So the only thing I do when I'm riding my bike to church is to think about the homily. Uh, is there a story I can tell? Uh, what are the lessons from the gospel? So usually I read the the readings uh, while I'm having breakfast. And then on my way to church, that's where I come up with a, with homily. And uh, so that's also a bit of a meditative start of Sunday. Now, I've been trying to keep that same restful attitude for the rest of the Sunday. And I'm getting better at this. To not go and, and, and catch up with work, for instance. Um, but to take a couple of hours just to read a book or do light cleaning tasks and uh, it's it, it's making a difference I, I have uh, these um, unexpected episodes of, of fatigue of heavy fatigue extreme fatigue and uh, I, I'm still uh, exploring ways to counteract that and I think the most the one that will always be beneficial even if it's not entirely maybe uh, uh, dealing with the the root cause because I don't really know why I have these these fatigue issues but it does help me in many ways is to just slow down and uh, and and try to get rid of that inner voice that occasionally is still there that tells me, but go and panic. It's red alert. You're behind. You have to do this. You have to do that. And I know that that is true. There's always something that I have to do. There are a couple of things, and I'll get to that in a minute, that I have pushed away, and I, I, I've been procrastinating on a number of important things. But it's much easier nowadays to turn off that red alert, to let everybody stand down. <laughs> There's no need to worry. We're going to handle this slowly, but it's more important to balance my energy and to make sure I get into that flow of energy that is steady throughout the week rather than trying to knock out some of those urgent to-do items in my mind. I'm going to try to avoid these, what is it, six dogs that are running there. This is, this is dog walking hour. And so you always have a lot of people. And they're always <laughs> somehow gathering on this, in this open spot in the woods where the dogs can run around and chase, chase each other and bark, <laughs> as you can hear. Um, but instead, I'm just turning left and continue to uh, walk towards a more quiet 
areas of the woods. Although in the mornings that is always hard because there are dogs everywhere. And you know, I don't blame their owners. It's, for them, it's an occasion also to not only to go for a walk, but also so often to socialize with other dog owners. Um, I think we should have a certain part of the forest, though, reserved for podcasters. That is something I, I really hope that one day will be, <laughs> will be possible. So <clears throat> um, the, the overall balance is more important than urgent tasks because I know that if I keep working on a good distribution of my energy, uh, that will benefit everything. Oh, here's another dog with his owners or her owners. I don't know. It's a black dog. Like a, looks like a lab, labradoodle. Hey, buddy. Hello. <laughs> Hello. And so uh, a labradoodle is a, like a cross between a poodle and a labrador. <laughs> and they're very popular nowadays. I see them a lot. They're pretty big dogs. And he is now looking to the other dogs on the other side here, uh, running around in the field. There's a golden retriever here. He's looking at the black dog and he's like, do you want to come and play? But I don't think he's allowed to. Anyway, so I'm, I'm more, uh, I'm bit much better at turning off that inner voice that tells me you have to do this, you have to do that. Uh, because I know where that voice comes from. It's that, you know, that voice that has pushed me around for most of my life, always telling me it's never enough, it's never enough. But I know better now. I know that it's, it's fine. And uh, self-care is part of my top priorities. Because if you don't take good care of yourself, you don't have the ability to take care of other people. And so that is why I'm trying to uh, take more, much more rest than I used to. And uh, so I'm recording this on Wednesday. And on Monday, normally that's the day where I am supposed to get productive. Although, immediately I have to say, says who? <laughs> but I didn't have energy on Monday. I was still tired. And instead of, um, of pushing myself to, um, to start producing things, because that's usually in the past how I would measure my, uh, my value, was how, how many products did I, <laughs> did I create? Whether it was a, um, a documentary or a video or a podcast or whatever. Instead, I challenged myself to, and this may sound weird, but to not get flustered that day. Uh, one of the tell, tell, telling signs, tells, ah, it's on the top, top of my tongue how you say this. One of the, not telltales, right? One of the symptoms of um, doing too much and uh, being in like the, the, the depletion zone when it comes to energy is that I get very red cheeks. I, I don't recall ever having that color on my face. I used to be pretty much like a, a, a pale nerdy guy, never got flustered. But um, during these, these times of, of great fatigue, it's, it's usually for me a sign that I'm overdoing it. Um, and then I guess what happens is that my body starts pushing. Hey, buddy. Oops, that's an enthusiastic young dog. Yeah, he's jumping up at me. He's actually uh, muffled. Hello, I want to Shasta. Okay. Yeah, he had a, is it a call a nozzle on his mouth? I, I guess it's a, still a young dog. Otherwise, he would bite. And the, his owner was on a bike and he was pulling a car or ca small car cart uh, for the dog to sit in. <laughs> the dog was running around without a leash. <sighs> anyway, so, uh, so that was my challenge. Like on Monday, I'm going to, and normally <laughs> I would get flustered at least once or twice every day. Uh, and that would be a sign and I would feel it like my heartbeat heart rate would go up um, and I, I think it's just my body just pushing extra blood to my head for 
I don't know, a flight or flight or fight response or uh, red alert response. Oh, my my watch keeps talking to myself. It's always when I'm on a walk, it it notifies me when I've uh, done another kilometer. <laughs> This happened actually in church while I was doing the opening for the mass. Like I was welcoming people, and then my watch was like, "You biked four? No, but more than that. You bike like ten kilometers. Your uh, pace, current pace, is." And I turn. It turns out I forgot to turn off the the tracking. I was <laughs> measuring my bike ride, and I forgot to turn it off. Oh, oh. Anyway, so uh, I get flustered, and on Monday. I, I was like, I'm just gonna take it easy. So I, I did a bit of email, very light, administrative tasks, and um, and the entire day I was fine. Um, and so I was super hopeful that this week would be full of energy. <laughs> If I can keep this up, I'm gonna be fine. And then the next night, I actually slept terribly. I woke up. Like I don't know, six, seven times. This, this Apple Watch is now measuring almost everything I do, but it also uh, provides me with valuable insights in why sometimes I'm so tired because I could tell that I'd been waking up. Plus, it even noted that there was noise that woke me up. It's, it's pretty insane. So apparently, the watch or maybe the phone, because I, they work together, they do some audio monitoring. That's how it can also see if my, for instance, my breathing is is regular. Um, some sometimes because that was one actually one of the the possibilities that I had or hypotheses. Well, maybe I'm always tired because I'm suffering from sleep apnea. Because that's something you don't notice. It's it's basically when you stop breathing in your sleep, and then the more you get as Asphyxiated, your you, your lungs start to, you know, and but it, it creates a lot of stress, um, and that can be uh, sometimes a, a huge cause of fatigue during the day. Even though you may have slept for eight hours, if you have apnea, you don't realize you don't wake up enough to realize that that was actually causing all these interruptions, plus the extra stress that it causes on your entire system. Uh, through which you don't go into deep sleep, into restoration sleep, because your your body is constantly in a in this alert state of, like, <laughs> I'm drowning. So I, uh, thanks to the audio analysis during the night of my watch and my phone, uh, I've noticed actually my breathing is extremely uh, constant. There's, there are no interruptions, so I could rule that out. Another thing that is just so great about this whole Apple uh, ecosystem, uh, but it did it, it did tell me that there was noise, and I could tell that I would wake up right after that noise. And I, of course, kind of knew what that was. It is the ticking sound of the of the radiators, um, which we we we. we So for I've, I think I've explained this in the past, but for, for those of you that missed that, that episode, so I've got an old, I live in an old house. The radi the whole heating system is from the 50s of the previous century. Uh, there were these big ugly um, pipes that were going upstairs through the ceiling, um, and I wanted to hide them, and so I ha asked the carpenter uh, to make to cover them with, like, wood panels. Um, and, and he created holes in those panels for the pipes to go through. What he, I think, missed at that time was that those holes need to be wider than the pipes. Otherwise, if, the, if, you, if you turn on the heating, the pipes will start expanding. And because there's no room in those holes, you hear that ticking sound. It's basically the sound of friction. Um, and so every time the, the, the pipe tries to expand and the wood doesn't allow it, you get that ticking sound. And the wood itself, is, it's hollow around the pipe, so it functions almost like a, the, 
the body of a guitar or something like that, or a drum. So it amplifies that, that sound, of the friction sound of the, that causes the ticking. And so um, seeing that it woke me up multiple times during that night, uh, <laughs> what I did was the next night uh, I, I put in earplugs, which helped because I could tell that the, the sound was... St- and it's pretty loud. It's like the, the ticks are... Uh, ticking noises themselves go into the orange. So they're le- like the green level is what kind of like ambient sound that is normal. And, and when there is a sound that is orange or, or even worse, red, you know that it's uh, able to wake you up. So the sound was still there, but I didn't wake up. Now, this brings me, <laughs> long introduction to the topic of, uh, of today's walk that I want to share with you. And that is, that is friction, but I'm not talking about the friction of pipes and expanding metal, but it's friction when it comes to certain things that you know you want to do or you have to do or you told yourself that you have to do, but you keep procrastinating. And one of those things, in, as an example, is I need to do something about this radiator system. It's fixable. <laughs> it's not easy because we have to uh, find ways to make those holes bigger. But that, that I can hire someone to do that. But I keep pushing. I keep telling myself, well, well mate, next week. I'm too tired for that now. I've got too much else on my plate to handle that. And so I I keep not... not I, I don't forget about it because every night I suffer from that ticking noise and it goes, goes on all day long. But it's... Uh, of course, I can, I can wait until it's no, no longer necessary to heat my house. But then it will come back in November... <laughs> of this year when it gets colder again. So why do I keep postponing this? It is, in fact, and and this is uh, something that I've learned to do, whenever there is friction or a negative emotion, explore. Don't judge yourself, because that that would be how I would handle this in the past or handle how it react to this. I would tell myself, you're such an idiot. Come on, why are you procrastinating on this? You're so lazy. Do this. Uh, make it so. And, pl- and as, when you're at it, also do all that other stuff that's on your to-do list. And why haven't you done that? And now your plate is full and you're <sighs> stress, 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 red alert. I know that that is, has never led to any results in the past. So instead, what I'm trying to do is to listen to that emotion. Why do I postpone this? And it's always because there is friction. We actually are not lazy when we're procrastinating. We are avoiding a negative emotion. We are protecting ourselves from getting overwhelmed and entering a flight or fight state. That is the only reason that people are procrastinating. Nobody is lazy, in fact. Uh, Laziness is mislabeled of a very natural reaction to stress or to perceived future stress. And knowing that, I was looking at this. So, so why do I keep postponing this? I, I, and I think I know because fixing those pipes um, requires a number of steps that I find difficult. First of all, calling up a carpenter, uh, the guy who made those uh, wooden panels, and ask him, would you have time to fix this? With the risk that he's going to say, no, I don't have time. (laughs) Or, this is not enough work for me. I'm not going to do that. And So this is my mind telling me this. I'm not saying that that would happen. But it's a a fear. Uh, And so then... It, it, when, when I'm considering this possible, worst possible outcome, that he won't be able to fix it, it adds a secondary uh, stress factor in that as well. So now I need to call someone else. 
I don't know any other carpenters who could do this. So I need to go and do research and ask around, which means I have to contact a few more people with also the feeling that maybe I'm bothering them. Maybe, you know, who am I to ask for help? Maybe I should just suffer this, etc., etc. So in my, this is all happening in my mind where I am fabricating possible stress. And then I'm, because I don't want to go and contact carpenters that I don't know, people that could fix this, I'm thinking of other ways. Well, maybe I can sweeten the deal and come up with more stuff because there's still quite a bit uh, on my list of, uh, of things that I would like to improve around, in and around the house. Um, maybe I should add another plan and, and offer him like a combo deal where, hey, I would like you to fix this radiator, but actually I've got a much bigger job and so uh, I'm going to pay you for that. And, but then I'm like, oh, but it means I have to go and sit down and work out that entire plan. But I don't even know what I'm talking about. I have this vague idea of what I want to do in the house. But I don't know the steps. I'm not a carpenter. I'm not an expert when it comes to building. I can visualize something, but I don't know exactly how to plan it. So, ah. And that is exactly why I've been procrastinating calling this guy and ask him if he could help me fix this um so that's that's one example we'll get to solutions later on another example is something that also has to do with the house and uh that is uh as you know there was a burglar when i first um started to um well when when the renovation was was done and i had just started to live in my house um I caught a burglar in the act of trying to break in. He destroyed two doors in the back. And then the police told me that actually the front door was also not safe at all. And that it would be very simple for a burglar to enter the house. Uh, so I asked the people responsible in the parish, I need new doors. <laughs> and they agreed to that. And it's already, that's a year and a half ago. And it's for multiple reasons, not just because I was postponing uh, taking action on this. Um, It just, it it wasn't fixed yet. And so a couple of weeks ago, uh, a company finally came to uh, take precise measurements of the three doors that had to be replaced. And then they told us, they told me, "We've, we've got everything now. We can start ordering this. It's going to take a long time because COVID and scarcity of material and people. Um, It's going to take maybe 15 weeks. (laughs) 15 weeks just for the materials to be delivered. And he said, there's only one thing I need to know, and that is what kind of front door do you want to have? (laughs) And here is a link to a catalog online, a German company, and you just pick a front door, let us know, and we'll order right away. So I was looking at that catalog, and... I was appalled by the choice. These were all super modern, industrial-looking, ugly German front doors, dare I say that? I don't know. No, there are areas in Germany where they build really nice houses, but this looked so industrial and so not what I what I like. It's not my taste. As you know, I'm a bit of a romantic guy. I like my environment to feel a bit hobbity and then you've got this door that I wouldn't even place in a in a, in a factory <laughs> you know, or in an office it's just so ugly and all these geometric shapes and metal and hard colors Ugh. so that was my first reaction I'm thinking hmm so what am I going to do now call the guy and tell him I don't like his front door selections and, but then it's going to stall everything. And he's maybe going to tell me that, well, then I can't do the job. So again, it's all this imagined stress, this imagined rejection and whatever. Um, but at the same time, I'm not judging myself. This is apparently how I'm wired. So I need to acknowledge what is going on. Why can't I take a decision? Then I'm going through that catalog again. I'm saying, oh, well, maybe, 
that door is actually maybe in a different color would kind of work. Not entirely. But then I was like, well, so what if I imagine what would be my my preferred front door instead of starting with what is available let me dream up my ideal entry and and how this whole entrance to my house could be so much better and i i immediately knew it i could visualize it it was instead of having the door on the left side and then this window with a radiator behind it on the right side um i want to have a front door in the center I want it to be symmetrical because my brain likes symmetry. And I've always been bugged by asymmetric architecture. This house, in that respect, drives me nuts because there's nothing is straight. It's all like fancy. Oh, let's put an angle here in this wall. Why? It was perfectly fine if it would have been straight. <laughs> anyway, but the front door is also... The, I, the, the outside of the house... The, the thing was built in the 50s with a very modest budget. So it's really an ugly house. <laughs> if I would design a house, I've, I've been building houses in Valheim. Um, I, I would build it completely differently. But anyway, the front door is one of the ugliest <laughs> aspects of the house. I was thinking, I want to have a symmetrical door in the center. And then flanked by two small, tall, you know, windows. Maybe with frosted glass. Um... That way, and maybe even a door with a window, like a small, uh, what is it, piece of glass in the center, it, it would double the amount of light in the hallway. And it would, be, it would look very nice. Just as an entrance, I could, uh, I don't know. So I, I went back to the catalog, and I see this one door that otherwise is extremely ugly and kind of like faux classic <laughs> really not my taste at all but it was depicted with these two windows on both sides and I was like okay you see even the catalog gives me at least this one single option um, but then I still didn't take a decision so I knew I want the door in the middle and not on the left side but there is more there is this radiator that is now hidden behind the, the window next to the door. But that radiator is super old. It's literally from the 1950s. I've got an old black and white photo of um, a bishop, the bishop back then, I think it was Al Frink at the time, who was visiting this parish, probably for the, maybe the blessing of the altar or something like that, the dedication of the altar, uh, when the church was brand new. And there is a photo of him stepping out of the rectory in full, you know, cassock and everything, uh, flanked by two other priests. I'm thinking, wow, that is so, like, this this feels like 500 years ago, (laughs) knowing how few priests we have nowadays. And a bishop would would not, I don't, well, I don't know. But anyway, (laughs) I can tell that there, the, that particular radiator is already there and it's rusty and every time I turn it on it starts leaking water so I know that it will have to be replaced and nowadays you've got these like paneled radiators that are like tall and you can put them elsewhere they don't need to be very close to the front door um, and so <laughs> I was but then I see that these pipes of this one radiator go into the basement. Uh, let me see. There is a road. Busy. I'm going to take this path here to the left. I don't think I've ever taken this path. But it's nice. Um, here are pine trees on my left. Which the, the other trees still are, are waiting for springtime. To get leaves again. But this part of the forest is nice and green. Um, and it smells. always smells very very good these pine trees um so i I realized well you know what i have to make a decision on this radiator but it means i have to go and inspect the basement to see where these pipes go and how you know if there is actually a possibility to move the radiator it means you have to uh, uh, create new holes in the floor and 
maybe change the piping. It's, it's going to be a bit tricky, not impossible, of course, but it's another company. And now I need to involve the, the uh, radiator installation company <laughs> and ask them for advice, but that will postpone um, the decision on the front door, etc., etc. So anyway, it's, it's this cascading row of, of dominoes in my mind that is set off by this one idea that, well, if I want this, it will require all these other steps and it's too much and it paralyzes me. Um, so that is, that is why I'm postponing. It's not because I'm lazy or because I'm distracted. I know very well that I need to take action, but it's starting to pile up again where uh, a, a lot of the things that I know I have to start preparing for and I write them down in, or I used to write them down in my bullet journal uh, for the month. You know, you have a list on the left side is a list of uh, like, what is it, 30, well, in February is like 28 days, right? Um, and on the right side is, a, is just a, an, an open list of things that you have to get done this month. And I have that for every month. And I know that there are a couple more things that really require me to take action now. Like, for instance, I need to start preparing for the Star Wars celebration in London. I booked my hotel. That's the one thing that I'm proud of, that I booked my hotel like half a year in advance. I never do that. But I haven't booked a trip yet. How am I going to get to London? (laughs) And if I want to get there, for instance, by boat or by train... I'd better start researching that and also figuring out ways where I am going to stay in, you know, before or after the convention, because there's no way in the world that I'm going to travel to London just to stay in, in England for three or four days. So I, I need to make plans. And again, it's not easy. I know that that will require full concentration and a lot of decisions. And this brings me to why um, this friction that I project is stopping me in my tracks. It's because I don't have the mental energy or the creative energy to start deconstructing this. Because, of course, that is the solution. How, do you, how does a mouse eat an elephant? Bite by bite, right? So you need to... Um, I'm, not, I'm not advocating mice eating elephants, by the way. Uh, I love elephants. <laughs> Okay, there is this tree over the road here hanging over me and I am going to step underneath it. I st- I'm still so baffled that they don't don't get rid of this tree. It looks so dangerous. It's going to fall on some people one day. Um, let's see, where am I going? I'm just going to follow into the direction of the sun. I love this path. It's like in the middle of the woods. No one is here. No dogs. <laughs> no bikes. Just trees surrounding me. And then the sunlight is, is hitting the, the branches and the, the leftover brown leaves here on this little tree on the right. And they, uh, they're all brown and weathered. But we didn't have that much wind uh, and bad weather. So some of these trees still have all their leaves, even though well, they'll have to fall off at one point to make room for the green leaves. So um, uh, this, in order to attack <laughs> these, these bigger projects where you know it's going to require a lot of time, first of all, first step is acknowledging this is, I'm procrastinating because of friction. Because it's a complicated thing. It will require a lot of my time, a lot of my energy, and it will involve a ton of decisions. And decisions actually use up energy. This is why in the evening I make bad decisions. I sit down and watch TV for three hours while eating a whole bowl of peanuts. And I know it's destructive to my calorie into to my overall health because I'm eating too many calories but it's because in the evening I'm done taking decisions I don't have any energy left for healthy uh, decisions and so um, you make bad ones and this is also true for the 
for the entire week when there is a lot on my plate or I've put a lot on my plate um, because there's always, of course, the option of getting rid of some stuff. Um, I I've often forget to... Oh, wow. Okay, I've got to climb down this small hill here. Uh, wait, there is... Yeah. Ow! I always am a little bit wary that will slip and end on my back. This is based on actual events in my life. <laughs> Climbing up on the other side of this small, this I wonder if it's been a creek or something. There's no water there. Anyway, so um, uh, my my problem has often been that I don't calculate the real costs of the things that I want to do. So I'm very good at coming up with ideas, and I'm very good at starting stuff. But I have rarely made a calculation. This is what Jesus talks about (laughs) when he gives this example of a guy who wants to build a tower, but he hasn't calculated if he has enough money to pay the workers and enough stones or however the story goes. And the same thing with uh, uh, someone who who is going to uh, attack uh, an army of the enemy, but hasn't has forgotten to count his soldiers. (laughs) <laughs> he doesn't know uh, if he will have enough people to win the war. So if you if you don't, Jesus recommends um, just go and and offer a deal, offer peace, <laughs> you know, get out of there because you're going to get destroyed. Well, I should take that at uh, at heart and do that for my own my own uh, friction points as well. Uh, and this is what brings me back to the beginning of this walk, where. I, I have to just admit and acknowledge without judging that right now I still have a very precarious energy balance. And um, I'm not very productive. I do, the things that I manage to do are the things that are easy, that are not causing any friction, like for instance recording the walk. Uh, the moment I need to I'm starting to overthink something Uh, like, oh, I need to come up with a good uh, number of bullet points to talk about during the walk. I will not record the podcast. (laughs) And sometimes I have a very clear idea of what I want to record and talk about in other days or other weeks. I have not a clue what I'm going to talk about, but I'm doing it anyway because I know from experience that my thoughts will start to flow and, you know, there's always something that we can talk about <laughs> as an aside. I was laughing because I'm not the only one. Um, Cliff Ravenscraft uh, also records a, a podcast for his patrons and uh, train with Cliff. And, and oftentimes he has a lot of stuff to share and it's very structured. But then the other week he had an episode about uh, about not stopping to drink energy drinks. I didn't even know he was... <laughs> he was. I, I, I was always surprised to see how much energy Cliff has, who is a couple of years younger than I am, but still. Uh, and now I know his secret. He was, he was powered, secretly powered, by, by these very, very caffeine, caffeinate, caffeinated energy drinks. And so he's trying to wane off uh, that habit and switch to something. So he was talking about that for about, I don't know, duration of the podcast. And when he started the recording, he said, I literally have no idea what I'm going to talk about, but I'm going to talk anyway. And that was so relatable because that's often what I do with the walk. But this is also why you get this episode. It's because it, it's frictionless. Same thing with homilies. As you know, I don't sit down for a couple of hours to write a homily. If I would do that, it would be a terrible homily. I did this in the early years of my priesthood. But I know that even though I don't prepare anything in a structural way, there's always a story. There's always a good homily. And I don't say this to boast, but I trust my abilities. I know how I work, how my mind works. And, um, and it's trusting 
that the things that you that are frictionless that are um, uh, kind of almost part of your I've been doing these shows for 17, 18 years now so I know what I can and I know what I can't um, and, and it's just trusting that that allows me to still be productive when it comes to other stuff like for instance the documentaries the TikTok videos these are all on my mental list of guilt-inducing to-dos why haven't I produced a single TikTok video since the beginning of this year actually I think in the entire month of December I haven't even done any TikTok videos whereas hundred literally I'm not exaggerating hundreds of thousands of people would love it if I would post new updates. Well, because TikTok is a very new thing and making a TikTok video is extremely labor-intensive, at least in the way that I make them, which is very researched and um, chiseled and, and per, you know, like cooked to perfection, uh, because I know that that, is, that makes you stand out from the crowd is just to offer a superior product otherwise there's no way that tiktok would would work for me at least because there's so much out there um but that also of course means that i never got into a uh it, it's it's not yet a habit it's not yet something i can just do with my how do you say that with my fingers up my nose <laughs> it, it it does require um, oftentimes more than a day of work, including research, where I have to go watch anime and stuff and analyze it and think about something useful to say about it. Documentary, same thing. Documentary production is, is what I love, and at the same time, it's one of the most, if not the most, complicated, labor-intensive work uh, that you can imagine. Because when you're editing, it is... Um, Editing requires you to make, per minute, more than a hundred decisions uh, about, about pacing a rhythm, the contents, color, audio, uh, how do these things relate to the overall structure. Um, so it's, it's extremely intensive and it, will, it costs a ton of energy. Again, why haven't I worked on a documentary yet? Even though I've been sitting at my desk for multiple days staring at the screen and I can't seem to muster the energy to start editing. Same thing with TikTok. It's because I know that all those decisions are going to sap my energy away and I don't have that energy yet. So now we're getting to the part where I can start thinking about solutions. Because I think that this is ultimately the core issue. The friction is so big that um, uh, in order to do these bigger things, these important things, like uh, make a documentary, planning the trip to uh, London, um, let alone future bigger projects, the, what I need to do is to acknowledge and to accept that I am climbing out of a very deep hole here. I've had some very, very rough months behind me, both uh, because of the chronic fatigue, which could, may or may not be related to COVID. Um, it doesn't really matter what caused it. It is a fact that I've had a lot of fatigue that I've struggled with but also mentally the, the past year has been a roller coaster of emotions and emotional processing uh, is is also not free <laughs> it is also something that's constantly on my mind uh, and I, I know that this is still also using up energy in a slightly devious subconscious way because I dream a lot. And since I wake up multiple times during the night, constantly it's, it's in the middle of a dream. And when I look at the contents of what I'm dreaming of, it often has to do with emotional friction, with you know the traumas that I've shared with you, 
to a certain extent in, in, in the past few months. Uh, also with current events, like the emotional overload uh, that I sometimes experience when, when you follow the news about the earthquakes in Syria and Turkey, when you see the devastation and the just unfathomable human suffering, and at the same time, this inner voice that tells you, but shouldn't you do something about that? You know, why are you, why are you complaining about all these little things in your life when literally the world is on fire? I know it's, it's, it's this, and then it, I know that that's not, that's, it's not right to reason like that, but I am still debating with that inner voice. So um, another example is what I talked about in last week's episode of The Break. I'm not sure if you've listened to that or not, but I expanded way too much, actually, on um, a topic that shocked me profoundly, which was the uh, um, revealed abuse um, of, uh, by, by three very famous French um, priests. Well, two were priests, and the other one was a layperson. Um, and and uh, after... Um, two years of research, a, a report has now come out um, showing how, how these people were deceiving everyone, have been lying for their entire life and were, were making victims. And these were people that I actually, in seminary, admired. And I was reading their books and I was like, oh, wow, these are almost like living saints and prophets. And I, like dealing with that realization that some of the stuff that has inspired me is actually, hello, is coming from, from deceivers, from people like, ah, I dream, I'm dreaming about that stuff. I'm, I'm trying to, str- I'm struggling clearly in my mind with what else has been, uh, fake <laughs> in my, in, in, uh, in my, in my world, in, in my history, you know, who else has been deceiving me? And well, I can unfortunately name a couple more examples um, that are, um, well, it's really, it's tough to deal with. And so the fact that I'm still dreaming about that means that, well, okay, that's also where I clearly need to put my energy. All that, uh, for me, is a, is a way to... Um, to approach the situation that I'm in from a rational point of view. I am behind on a number of things that I thought I could do easily. The fact that I can't and that I'm procrastinating is a sign that I've been miscalculating not my abilities, but my energy balance. And so instead of blaming myself for not working hard enough, not being good enough, etc., etc., the whole rigmarole, <laughs> the, the usual inner voice stuff that I, I think I parted with. I, dis, I have to make a conscious decision to, um, to just re- reboot, look at the situation. Uh, wait a minute, where am I? Oh, this is where we always start our training. I don't recognize it because they've been cutting down some big trees here. <laughs> I'm like, where am I? But uh, yeah, I know exactly where I am. I can just follow this road and that will bring me home. Uh, it's, it's, it's all about uh, looking at, so what is truly important? What, what, again, it's all about what are you called to do? Not what did you think you had to do. It's discernment that is necessary before you make decisions. And the discernment, I think, in my case, it has to start with what is, what is God asking me to do now? Um, and if there's one thing that I've learned from this report that I've been reading about the uh, abusive system of these, uh, these, three, these three guys is um, you can trick yourself into thinking that something is the will of God. They actually told themselves, they had developed an entire theology through which they told themselves that it was okay to abuse women. For them, it was like a mystical exploration, blah, 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 blah. All lies, of course. But it, again, 
important lesson that you have to always be careful to say something is the will of God. Um, discernment is very important in that. And for a long time, I think I've told myself on a totally different level um, that uh, I was working hard. I was burning the candle at both ends because that is what God wanted me to do. This is the martyrdom that is required from every priest. No rest for the weary. I can, I can sleep when I'm dead. You know, that kind of stuff. And what I actually, I think, ignored was that God never commands you in that way. He never pushes you over your limits. That is not the kind of behavior that we learn from Jesus. Instead, God is, all, is often whispering in your ear. He's telling you to, to listen and to receive before you speak, before you share. He's telling you to rest before you run and let him do the heavy work and the heavy lifting. Because after all, he is the Messiah. You are not. Okay, where is this? Some more big trees that have been that have been uh, uh, demolished here or uh, removed. Here is a parking lot that I don't recognize. There is a path that goes that way. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Sometimes when I turn around, I recognize the place. So if I continue straight on and I go to the left, then that's where I want to be. Okay. Uh, starting to visualize the map of this of this forest after a year and a half. <laughs> um, so uh, discerning that God uh, clearly wants me to trust Him, and He wants to teach me to trust myself, and that it's okay to right now just do what you can do because you're. This is just how you're wired, like recording podcasts. That is not very hard. Don't worry too much about TikTok and don't worry too much about documentaries, let alone about writing books or uh, constructing courses, all the stuff that I talked about uh, in, in, in prior episodes. That will come in time. But it's clear that you're not there yet. You don't have the energy yet. So do what you can and let me do the rest. I think that is probably more likely to be God's will than me forcing myself and then constantly getting like flustered and <laughs> and and uh, exhausting myself and then crashing multiple times per week so that's what I'm trying to do now and if for whatever reason that will slow me down um, then by all means I will just slow down. Uh, but at the same time, I know that in order to get the strength that I need to be productive and to be back to my old self, <laughs> which I'm not even sure I want to because my old self was always pushing myself, but to get to a more balanced uh, way of living, um, maybe it will require me to, to just scrap couple of those plans or at least put them on hold for now uh, yeah so there was one other thing oh yeah the, the, this is something I've I've learned from from running um, so I I chose to start training for this marathon but for the first time and this was also again this like what I've learned I did not commit to running that marathon in April. I said, I'm just going to see if I can train for it. Well, my watch is telling me that at least I'm doing a couple of kilometers today. Um, the, uh, um, I, now I'm distracted. Thanks, Siri. <laughs> um, uh, what was I saying? Oh yeah, so I didn't commit. I was like, I'm just going to train for it, but it's very well possible that it, this is still beyond my reach. And that's okay. The goal is not to 
get to the end of a marathon. The goal is to, uh, to facilitate um, uh, the, the process of getting fit and give myself reasons to go out there for, for a run. And so, bit by bit, I've been growing stronger and faster. This past weekend, on Saturday, um, I participated in a half marathon. Um, and I've run that distance many times before. In fact, uh, I've run a half marathon distance every single week of this new year, up until this moment, which is quite something. Um, but this time, this was a, an official race. And my training schedule told me to give it all. It literally started the advice way, today you're gonna run as fast as you can. <laughs> and uh, so I set myself uh, a, um, a certain pace. Um, and then I, I ran and I ran and I ran and it was so hard. It, it was, there were a couple of moments during that half marathon that I was so tempted to stop and to walk. But I didn't. And this is not because I was pushing myself. Well, of course I was pushing myself, but I didn't go over my limits. No, I knew that I, can, I could trust this training schedule. I've been running marathons, preparing for marathons for more than 10 years now, always with these schedules. So I knew that my legs can handle it. It's just my mind that it wants to give up. So instead of listening to that, I am just going to, um, to trust that I can maintain this pace for the entire race. And it's only at the very, very last kilometer where, and this was so sneaky, uh, we had to go up a hill, like a final hill, and I, I literally could, couldn't do it. I was so exhausted. That's when I told myself, now you can walk. Because this is only a small hill. This is just going to take away. This is going to take like 30 seconds. It's 30 extra seconds. But it will enable you to lower your heart rate. And to get that final bit of energy to, to run the last part of a mile. And that's what I did. And I, I, I ran the entire distance of a half marathon in, in one hour and 51 minutes. Uh, which for me is a, is a personal record. I've never run this fast. And what, but the bigger lesson for me was um, I can trust the system. I can trust the trainer who tells me, the virtual trainer, of course, because I'm using an app, but that, that, that and I know that if the app tells me, you can do this, I can do it. Um, and that is, I think, where I want to be there also when it comes to my, to my work. Ooh, a Tesla. <laughs> I'm saying ooh because I, I still think it's like a, almost like science fiction. When you have a car, this is a big car. And the only thing I hear are, is the sound of the, of the wheels, the rubber. There is no engine sound because it's all electrical. It's insane. Ah, oh, anyway, so. <laughs> squirrel. Um, what I want to get to is... Um, that I'm getting stronger and stronger because I'm gradually increasing my work pace <laughs> in a way. But it would be a mistake for me to try to run a marathon today because I'm not ready yet. I still have to train for two more months in order to be able to cover 42 kilometers. I'm at the halfway point now. And Sometimes I'm thinking that with all my plans and my desire to be productive and to serve my community, I'm, instead of running a half marathon, I'm, I'm forcing myself to run a full marathon. And then I'm surprised that I'm exhausted and <laughs> that I crash. Um, so it's good to have these ideas. That's what I wanted to say. So last week I talked about, well, maybe I should uh, develop this teaching element and I've had some more thoughts about that maybe design some courses I could actually even um, do my commentary on movies in that way instead of just giving random thoughts and I thought it was great blah 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 it, it, just make it give it a bit more structure turn it into a course a bit like what Corey Olson is doing with his uh, his uh, academy his online academy where he 
he gives lessons about Tolkien and other literature. Um, I think I, you know, that's definitely something at the horizon, but I'm not there yet. I don't have the energy yet. Um, I'm glad to get through a day without getting flustered by doing almost nothing. <laughs> and so it's, it's all, all in good time. But what is required now is to gradually get stronger and to listen very well to what my body is telling me, even what my subconscious is sometimes telling me. When I wake up in the middle of the night and I have these anxious dreams, you know, take some time to reflect on that. So what's going on in my mind? And acknowledge that that will probably take away some of the energy that I could normally uh, uh, use for, for work. But my life is about more than work. And so it's all about slow and steady um, and, and not uh, avoiding that red alert mode because that's, that's always destroying things. And at the same time, uh, look at what... what and, and be grateful and um, make sure to always remember the things that are going well and to write them down at the end of the day in my journal. You know, this is, this is what I'm thankful for. And, and oftentimes when I start writing down the stuff that I'm thankful for, <laughs> I realize that the, the, the day wasn't that shabby. And I did, I did do more than I actually realized I did. I'm going to stop talking now. <laughs> I've noticed that my podcasts are getting longer and longer every day, but this is not necessary. Uh, you, you get the gist of what I wanted to share. Love to hear your thoughts. Um, in the Patreon Discord community, we've created two new sections where people can uh, give feedback on the episodes uh, of the podcast that I post. So that is, um, that's, that's a good place if you want to react or add your own experiences or thoughts to, to mine. Uh, and of course, um, always feel free to ask me questions or let me know some feedback uh, on social media, uh, Mastodon, and Instagram, Facebook. Uh, I don't think YouTube, yeah, YouTube also has comments, but I'm not, well, no, you can't do like direct messages in YouTube, I think. Anyway, you know where to find me. It's all Father Roderick, wherever you go. I have a wonderful rest of your day, and I'm going to enjoy uh, my last kilometer back home. Take care now. God bless. <laughs>